Gospels record many face-to-face meetings that Jesus had with people. Many face-to-face meetings, and each one, each one of those face-to-face meetings reveals Jesus' heart for people, then and now. You, you, you again and again see Jesus' heart for people in these, these face-to-face interactions throughout the gospel. And the other thing about this is that each face-to-face meeting was an opportunity for the people that were involved. It was an opportunity for a tremendous life change. Now, let me just tell you, we're, we're getting into this series and we're looking at some of these face-to-face encounters, particularly in the book of Luke. But I must also tell you this, that not every person who was face-to-face with Jesus experienced tremendous life change. There were some that did not. They, all of them had the opportunity, all of them had the potential for a transformational experience, but not all of them took it. Not all of them experienced it. The ones that we'll look at this morning did. Um, And before we look at the text, let me just say this. Recently, a few weeks ago, I I came across an interesting article on how to get a face-to-face meeting with the President of the United States. So if this is your desire, listen carefully. Here's how you do it. The article said there are essentially three ways to get a presidential face-to-face meeting. Number one, you give a lot of money to their campaign. All right? You can go ahead and write these notes down if you're, if you're in it. Go ahead and write them down. You give a lot of money to their campaign. Number two, you get a, you, the, the, this article cited was the, the second way to do that is you give a lot of money to a foundation or a cause that is important to them. So if you give a lot of money to that, then it gets the president's attention and you can get a face-to-face meeting. The number three way to, be connect, uh, to, to get a face-to-face is to be connected through someone who is close to the president. So that is how you do it. And would you please let me know how that works out for you? Now, at the end of the article, there was this one important uh, additional note that was added And uh, it said this, it said, uh, it won't be a long meeting. It won't be a long meeting. You see, because the president is a very busy man. It's not that he is unapproachable or any president is unapproachable. Uh, I think that the fact that that they have obviously some people skills, that's one of the ways that they got to the office, uh, any of our presidents. Uh, It's not that they're necessarily unapproachable, it's just that a lot of people... A lot of people, what, 330 million Americans, and then, of course, a lot of people beyond that around the world, there are a lot of people that would love to have a face-to-face meeting with the president, but he's just not able to. It was different with Jesus. It was very different with Jesus. And you'll see that in Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. And you'll find here in Luke chapter 5, there are several face-to-face encounters with Jesus. We're going to look at three this morning briefly. One of them begins in verse 12, and it reads this way. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, that is a disease that killed nerve endings, affected the skin, 
There was a man who came, there, there came a man full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. As I've asked you to do other times, I'm going to ask you to do again today, and that is imagine this scene in your mind. This man comes and he falls before Jesus. Notice also it says here that the man was full of leprosy. That means that he was in the advanced stages of the disease, and it was apparent to everyone. I mentioned a moment ago that leprosy uh, is, is really a, a disease of the, of the nerves. It, it desensitizes the nerves. It makes a person, a person with leprosy, it's not a painful disease. In fact, it, you don't feel anything with leprosy. That's part of the problem. People could be injured and they aren't aware that they're injured. They can become infected, not aware that it's infected because it kills all of the nerve endings and they can't feel anything. When it says here that he was full of leprosy, he was in the advanced stages of the disease and everybody around him could see the condition of his body because uh, it, had, it had just ravaged him. Man who was full of leprosy. Also, this man had no appointment. Right? He had not given any money to a campaign. He had not made any connections with people. He had no prearranged permission for this face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus. It says he, he came, you see the word there, it says he came to Jesus. Now, I'm giving a lot of background here, but you need to understand the context. This was a violation of the religious laws at the time. Persons with leprosy were separated from the rest of society, forcibly. They had no choice in the matter. If it was found out that, that you had leprosy, if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you were immediately moved away from society. They were to never, a person with the, the dreaded disease of leprosy was to absolutely never approach people who did not have the disease. But this man had apparently heard that Jesus had healed others, and he believed that Jesus could heal him. So it says there that he came to Jesus. Picture that in your minds. He's real close. In a moment, I'll tell you just how close he was. But he's very close to Jesus. Now, again, a little bit of context here. Jesus' response in verse 13 also also violated religious law. It says, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will, in other words, I am willing, I will be clean. And immediately it says the leprosy left the man. Again, notice this. This is how close they were. It says here they were so close that Jesus just stretched out his hand and touched him. So we know how, we know the, it's not that Jesus had extraordinarily long arms. The man had come so close to Jesus. He had violated every protocol. He'd come so close to Jesus that all Jesus had to do was reach out his hand and touch him. So you have two violations here. Someone who is, who is coming close and someone who is touching someone who should not be touched. I don't know if you underline in your Bibles, 
Um, I do. I like to underline and highlight, put little notes beside it. If you do that, if you have your Bible, would you underline those words where it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him? If you only underline two words, just touched him. He touched him. It's like, this is one of my favorite references in all of the Gospels. Because here, Jesus is literally touching an untouchable person. This leprous man, this man who was in the advanced stages of it, he had had it for for not months or weeks, but, but years, maybe even decades. This man who was so advanced in this disease that it was apparent to everyone, this man who knew people's cruelty and he knew their harshness and he knew their rejection, suddenly he encountered someone who did not run away, Someone who did not recoil at the sight of him, but in fact, even didn't, it wasn't he did not only run away, he reached out, it says, and he touched him. This is an assumption, it doesn't say it, but I think it's safe to assume that this man had not been touched by anybody other than perhaps another person with leprosy, that he had not been touched by anyone for perhaps years. (laughs) <laughs> he did not see this coming. He would have been happy for this man simply not, for Jesus to simply not run away. But instead of only doing that or not doing that, he reached out and he touched him. Wouldn't you love to see that scene? His response when he felt the hand on his shoulder or on his head or on his hand. You ever feel... Don't raise your hands to this. You ever feel, you ever feel um, untouchable? <laughs> Have you ever done something or, or experienced something and you feel, you know, I, 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 I don't even feel worthy to be touched. Have you, ever, have you ever been so pushed away by someone that, that you, you, you think, will they ever have anything to do with me again? That's how this man felt. And so it was so meaningful then when Jesus reaches out and and touches him, accepts him into his presence, but then beyond that reaches out and touches him. Now, there's an interesting thing about Scripture. When we read through the Gospels, particularly with the life of Jesus, uh, if, if we only look and say, wow, isn't Jesus wonderful, then that, that's, that's a huge part of it, and, and, and God's love for us communicated in this story. But if we only get that, then we miss something. Because remember, we are Christians. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are to be like Him. So if we only look at this and say, wow, isn't it great that Jesus touches the untouchable? If that's all we get, we only get part of it. Because the other part that we must get is, are we willing to be those who reach out and touch the untouchable? Amen. See, that's kind, of the, that's kind of the rest of the story. If we are to be, as somebody put it, a lot of people have put it, as we are to be, figuratively speaking, God's hand extended to the world then we have to be willing to touch people that other people consider untouchable. To, 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 to reach out and minister to people that some say they shouldn't be ministered to or we should have nothing to do with them. 
And I'll let you fill in the blank of who that could be because it could be any number of persons, any kinds of, many kinds of persons. But are we willing to say everyone is worthy of a touch from Jesus Christ and, and, and this is a person who's been rejected by, in some way, so I'm going to minister God's power to this person. Are you willing to touch the untouchable? Same chapter. Sometime later, Jesus was in another place and he was teaching people who were crowded into a house. Verse 18 says, some people or some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So again, use that imagination that God gave you. They are carrying this man. He's on a pallet, a a bed, a stretcher of some sort. Here's a man on a bed who is... uh, who is paralyzed, and other persons who are carrying their at least acquaintance, maybe, and probably a friend. Uh, Again, an assumption, they too obviously heard about Jesus's power to heal, right? That's why they're bringing him, because word is spreading that Jesus has the power with either a touch or with a word to heal. Maybe These people had heard how this leprous man some distance away had been healed by Jesus. So they thought, well, if Jesus can handle leprosy and some of the other, you know, Peter's mother-in-law, we looked at her last week, a a chapter earlier, if Jesus could heal them, maybe he could heal this friend. So there's faith involved in those who are caring and there's faith in the man in allowing himself to be carried to Jesus. Verse 19 says this, But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the mist before Jesus. I love this. And again, it's very easy to picture this, this story, this true story in your minds. I love this. They couldn't get to Jesus through a door or through a window, so they made a skylight. Don't you love this? I mean, they just go up and they open things up. You see, this man, because of his, understand the dynamics here. I I would like to think that if somebody was really, really sick, somebody who was paralyzed and there was a healer inside, I would like to think that if that were your house, then you would say, oh, we got a sick guy outside, out on the front porch. He can't get in. So some of you that are healthy, could you get, could you step out and, 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 but that didn't happen did it. No one was giving way to this person who really needed a touch from Jesus. So he's kind of overlooked. But that, that's kind of how things were and sometimes are. People that have been that way for a long time, well, they've been paralyzed for a long time and they're going to be paralyzed the rest of their life. They've got this skin condition now. They're going to be that way for the rest of their lives. They're this kind of person now, and they're going to be this this way until the day that they die. And so this man was largely overlooked, but, but boy, these people, they are full of faith, and they go up to the roof, and they start moving some tiles around, and they lower, somehow lower their friend right down in front of Jesus. Took some doing. But after a while, took some doing, but after a while, this person, you know, hanging by some ropes or by, you know, this bed, which took some, I mean, this was like, go easy, guys. But suddenly, and he's paralyzed, and I, I 
make no light of this, but he's laying on his bed and, and he, he's not sitting up, but he's looking over at Jesus, but he's face to face. He's face to face. Jesus was interrupted. But notice what isn't recorded here. Jesus didn't get upset. He was interrupted, but he didn't get upset. And this is a good place to point out that some of Jesus' greatest miracles happened when people interrupted him. Read through the Gospels. Some of the greatest miracles happened in the Bible happened when, when Jesus was interrupted. He's going someplace and somebody stops him. He's teaching something and somebody interrupts him. He's talking to a crowd of people in a packed house and somebody removes the tiles and lowers someone right in front of him. Jesus was interrupted, but he didn't get upset because Jesus saw their faithful persistence. He said this to the man, verse 24, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And the Bible says the man was healed. He did exactly that. He picked up his mat and he, he walked home. He, he, he was carried there, but he, he walked home. But again, I want you to notice how God's power and God's compassion connected with the brokenness of mankind. God's power and brokenness connected, excuse me, God's power and compassion connected with the brokenness of mankind. God loves us. He's faithful. God has been so good to us. That's why that song moves me almost to tears that we sang earlier, and we're going to sing again. Because the, the goodness of His faithfulness, God, you've been so good to me. This, that song that we sang it was not around then, of course. It's a new song, but, but He could have sung something like that. God, you've been so good to me. Your faithfulness has been so good to me. I was overlooked. I was in a difficult place. I was in a hopeless place. But you've been so good to me. Are you willing? Uh, if, if you have felt overlooked at times, some really good news. Jesus does not overlook you. He sees what you're going through. Other people may overlook your condition. Other people may not give two hoots about what you're going through. But let me tell you something. Jesus is aware and Jesus cares for you. He sees it. He sees it. But on the same hand, it's not just about us receiving that. How about you? Are you willing to be that person who looks at the overlooked? Are you the one who's willing to say, someone here is being overlooked, so I want to do what I can, even if I have to remove some ceiling tiles to get them into the presence of Jesus, I'm going to do what is necessary to get them connected with God. Are you willing to go to the overlooked and bring them to Jesus? See, that's what we have to ask. It's not just what's happening to me, but what, how, how can God use me for them? One more. It's a brief but significant face-to-face. -face. Still the same chapter, but look at verse 27. It reads this way. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said, Jesus said to him, follow me, and leaving everything. It's very sudden. And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed him. Let me just, for information's sake, Levi was another name for Matthew. The first gospel, 
the gospel of Matthew, that, this, that's this guy. Matthew is Levi, Levi is Matthew. Levi, it says here, was a tax collector. He was a tax collector. Now, understand context. Again, persons with leprosy earlier in the chapter, they were usually rejected or marginalized. They were pushed off to the edge of, literal edge of society. Persons who were paralyzed or or perhaps some other, had some other long-term physical condition, were often overlooked. Well, that's just how they are. But Jewish persons who collected taxes for the occupying Roman government, who was occupying during this time, Jewish persons who collected taxes for the occupying Roman government were not marginalized. They were not overlooked. They were hated. They were absolutely, profoundly hated. They were viewed as traitors. These were Jewish people who sold out to the Roman occupiers and put heavy, heavy taxation on us. So they're not only enriching the occupying force, but they've turned and they are, they have turned their backs on their own people. Tax collectors were hated. They were considered the absolute worst of the worst. And yet here's Jesus. And here's Jesus. He is the one whom John said, a couple of weeks ago we looked at it, whom John said he takes away the sin of the world. I mean, who can do that? Only the Savior. Only the Messiah. That's who this is. Jesus, he's the one who could heal any number of people of any number of diseases with a word or with a touch. Jesus is the one who could draw huge crowds of people and pack them into a house. And now he is calling someone who is considered to be a traitor to be one of his closest followers, his disciple. You think that this People didn't notice this and were just shocked at this. I mean, Jesus could have picked anyone else. <clears throat> if we were just looking at this, you know who would be a really good disciple? I mean, with a great, amazing story. Um, uh, Phil, the former leper. I don't know his name. It doesn't, just let's Phil. It sounds like good. Phil, the former leper. Now that guy would make a great disciple. What a story. Hey, Phil, come here. Show him your skin. And he would say, look at this. Look, I got all 10 fingers. Want to see my, look, sandals, uh, all 10 toes. That would make an amazing disciple. Or how about the guy who was paralyzed? Hey, um, Richard, I don't know what his name was. Hey, Richard, Richard, you're the former paralytic. Come up here and dance a little jig. Richard comes up, woo, look at that. Now that guy'd make a great disciple, wouldn't he? Jesus didn't call them. No, instead he calls this guy, who was an absolute traitor to the cause. He calls this person who was a turncoat. He calls this person that is like the worst of the worst. You call anybody, you called him. Just something a little added here. Again, you have to understand the context of these things. Not just, don't read the story. You have to know the rest of the story. There was another person who was called to be a disciple. His name was Simon. Uh, he, not Simon... Peter, a different Simon, Simon the Zealot. 
He was called the zealot to distinguish him from the other disciples, the other Simon. Simon the zealot, we don't know a lot about him other than he was an absolute, um, if, 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 uh, if Levi or Matthew was a sellout to the Roman government, then Simon was going to do everything, including absolute anarchy, to drive the Romans out. They were politically speaking on opposite ends of the spectrum. I would love to know what Simon the zealot thought when Matthew or Levi, the tax collector, becomes one of the disciples and they start walking the journey together. But I point this out because never once in the, in the scriptures, never once in the gospel accounts will you see conflict between these. Because something happened. Because the guy who had been a zealot and the guy who had been a tax collector now suddenly had an amazing thing in common and that is they were followers of Jesus Christ. Now, you think that that doesn't have something for today? We have a lot of different, that we're shaped by a lot of different forces. Mentioned earlier about how, how we are so often conformed to the patterns of our world rather than being transformed. But when we come to Christ, we are transformed in the renewing of our minds. And suddenly, those things that we used to be, those things that used to be important to us, suddenly are not so important, if important at all, because now we are followers of Jesus Christ. That is powerful truth for today, because we all have different backgrounds, and we all have different experiences, but I'll tell you what, if you love Jesus, and I love Jesus, we are in this together. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you look like, what you speak, what, what your experiences. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're together. Later at the party at Levi's house when some self-righteous people asked Jesus why, why he associated with people like Levi and his friends, Jesus said this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In so many words, Jesus said, I came for the broken. I came for the rejected. I came for the overlooked. I came for the hated. And if they trust in me, I will heal them. If they're sick in spirit, in mind and in body, if they're sick, I came to heal them. The broken. Three different accounts, one chapter. Three different face-to-face -face meetings, just one chapter. And if there's one word that describes all three of these face-to-face -face encounters, it was that it was Jesus' approachability. You could come to him. You could come to him. You, you, you could come, you could fall before him, you could come to him. You could be lowered down in front of him. And Jesus was approachable. Because he showed them and he showed us that Jesus' message is for anyone, no exceptions. You can come to him. You can run to him. You can fall before man. You can be lowered down in front of him. And you can have a face-to-face -face meeting that you couldn't get with any other elected official. But you can get a face-to-face -face uh, meeting with Jesus and your life can be transformed. 
There's another verse that I want to read. It's not, you're not going to see it on your, it's not on the screen, but I'll tell you what, it's in the book. I thought of this this morning. It's Hebrews chapter 4. It's one that I've quoted a number of times because, again, it means so much to me and it speaks to all three of these stories. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 reads this way. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's the God that we serve. You read it again. Let us approach the throne of grace. The throne of God. He's the God of grace. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I mentioned earlier that every one of the persons that Jesus had a face-to-face encounter with had the opportunity for life transformation. Not all of them experienced it, but all of them had an opportunity to come face-to-face with Jesus. Jesus does not leave us the way that he finds us. Please notice that. With all three of these, The man with leprosy left without leprosy. The man who was paralyzed left without paralysis. The man who was a tax collector, it says, he immediately left his tax office, got up and followed Jesus. They were the former leper, the former paralytic, and the former tax collector. See, they, they chose to follow Jesus. They, 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 had, a, they had, it was particularly with, with Matthew or with Levi, had a choice in the matter. And so Jesus desires these face-to-face encounters, but just having a face-to-face encounter, you can leave unchanged, but if you submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be transformed. Amen. I don't know if the rest of you heard that. When we come to face to face with Jesus, he does not desire to leave you the way that you are. People say, well, Jesus accepts anyone. Absolutely true. But he refuses to leave you that way. He refuses to leave you that way. But you can refuse it. You can say, I'll come to Jesus and just walk away and you can still be the same way that you came to him. But when we have a face-to-face, oh Lord, I give myself to you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. Don't let me conform. Let me be transformed by the renewing of my heart, my mind, and my spirit. And God, let me be your hand extended. I'd love to know the rest of their story. I would, would you know, I'm, I'm thinking that, that I, 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 someday we'll find out. I'd like to think this, that the guy who had been a leper takes the gospel back to the leper colony. It says he went home, he went, but, but he, he, he had a heart for people who had been in leper, who, who, were, who had leprosy. He would go to them and say, can I touch you? Jesus touched me, can I touch you? 
the man who had been paralyzed. I don't know the rest of his story. Someday when we get to heaven, we'll find out. But I believe that, boy, he had a, he had a, a place in his heart for people who had long-term life-affecting illnesses. Can I pray for you? <laughs> Jesus touched me. I want, to, I want to pray for you. The, uh, Matthew or Levi, the ta- former tax collector, I think he saw things differently. And he said, you know what? Man, you get, you're really passionate about this. But let me tell you, let me tell you about Jesus. And when you find out about him, all of these other passions, lesser passions, fade into the distance. Let me tell you about Jesus. They were different. They were different. I'm going to ask you at this time, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to transition into a time of prayer. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. This morning, if you've been, and again, we have so many people who are joining us online. If you've been joining us today, I want to thank you. And we're going to close in prayer here in just a moment. And, and we're going to trust God, and, and, but we're not quite done with you yet. So we want to pray with you. And in this closing prayer with those who are here in this room and those who are online, I just want to ask that, that, that God will continue to speak to us through this, this message. That he is approachable. We can approach his throne, the throne of grace, boldly and find grace to help us in our time of need. So thank you so much for joining us in just a moment. We're going to pray and then we're going to close and and we're going to sing and we can make our way out. These altars are going to be open. Would you stand with me, please? Lord Jesus, I thank you for those who have gathered here today. Thank you for receiving us and loving us and reaching out to us. Thank you for touching us when we were untouchable. Thank you for not pushing us out of your presence when we interrupted you. Thank you that you didn't walk away when you saw how we were, but you stopped and you called us. Thank you that we can run to your throne and find grace to help us in our time of need. And Lord, thank you also that when we are in your presence, we can be changed. So Lord, I pray you change people. Lord, even as we are in your presence through praise, may you change people. May they leave this place changed people. May they go and resume life, go back to their homes and their families and their jobs. As they resume it, Lord, may they resume it as changed people, different than how they came today. We thank you. Lord, I ask your favor upon us as we are your people. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning. These altars are open. good
Close like no other. I've known you as a father.